One guy's a three-time Pro Bowler, the other's a three-time Wisconsin Sports Writer of the Year, and together, they're just two guys talking pack. This is the Coon Podcast with Jason Wildey and John Coon. It is episode 18.5 Again. <laughs> of the John Coon Podcast. I feel like it's like Loaded Weapon point. <laughs> Two or however they used to do the sequels there, because this is definitely a sequel. All right, so the uh, the voice you hear belongs to the star of this podcast, one John Kuhn, the icon, the folk hero, the three time Pro Bowl fullback. And so let's let's tell people what happened. So you're you're listening to this podcast, and you're thinking, "Gosh, usually I get this podcast on Thursday. It's usually on iTunes." It's on Wisconsin On Demand. I have to figure out how many U's to put in when I yeah. search it. Talked about that yesterday. That's a tough That'll find. never be heard. A tough find. Because what happened, and we're going to give uh, our buddy Greg Hill a hard time about this, even though you know we're forgiving. I'm, are, are you a forgiving person? Yeah. I mean, it depends on the situation. I, certain things I'm much more forgiving than, than others, and this one was hard to swallow. I mean, I, I know it's a common mistake, but... Boy, it's like, oh. So we came to Lambeau Field yesterday, which was Thursday, and we recorded what I thought was one of the greatest episodes of the John Coon podcast out of all 18 we've Easily done. could have been the best. Might have been. I thought it was. Well, <laughs> the only people that heard it were well, you and, that, yeah, and, you, and you and me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah two gone. people heard it. Two people thought it was the best. It, that's the old saying: if a tree falls in the woods, nobody yeah, hears if, it. If a podcast is, is deleted before it is uh, saved, it, does anyone does it really exist? So, Greg Hill, who is the producer of Homer and Gabe, and a really nice guy. I mean, he's a nice young fella. That's a great setup. This, is, but right, There's that's a how you coming. set the yeah. butt up. Also, in defense of him, so uh, I am not a um, programmer. I'm not an expert in developing uh, computer programs or apps or anything like that. But okay. I would say this. I have used Microsoft Word many times. And if you try to close, say, an article, for those of us that are sports writers, if you try to close an article that you have not saved, what does it do? Boom. Do you wish to save or right. continue your exit? Right. Apparently, Audition, which is the program that they use to save our recorded interviews well what's the operating system for audition is it microsoft i don't think so i think it's uh, adobe would be the company that puts that out but apparently good guy greg nice fella recorded the entire podcast and then exited out of this audition program and audition doesn't give you that prompt it's just gone gone and it's the greatest one we ever did. I'm like the dad on A Christmas Story when the dogs, the bumpus hounds come running into the kitchen and eat the turkey. It, turkey, no more turkey hash. Turkey a la king, gone, all gone. The podcast is gone. Do you remember what we talked about? Vaguely. <laughs> I just, it, I got, we, you talk about a player being in a zone. I felt like we were in a zone oh, yesterday. That's we how so I can't awesome. remember. You just. You just react. You were you were setting up, and I was knocking down, and I was setting up, and you were knocking yeah, you down. Were on it, a was, roll. it was it was great. Yeah, it was, you were fantastic. But Greg, he's a great guy. He's a great guy. He just he just made a mistake, and and the program that he used to record our program, not great. 
Not great. So in an effort to try and make it up to us, he did send me uh, some of the things that we talked about yesterday. Oh, okay. Well, then. That he apparently heard before he deleted the uh, entirety of the podcast. I see. I always thought they just walked in the room, pressed record, walked out. And then out, walked out. And then waited until they saw us leave the room and then said, oh, you know, it's time to time to save chop and put push it out. So, apparently we started talking about your Super Bowl party. Oh, we did? We did. Okay, great. Which Super Bowl party do you want to talk about? I want to talk about the one that you went to. I, I know I'll, it's funny because yeah. I could just retell the stories for you, yeah. and you can just drink your little miniature Diet Coke there. It's just you're that's a regular sized Diet Coke, but you're <laughs> such a large human that it looks like a like a diminutive side size can. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no one's ever said that about me either. Um, so you had you went to. A Super Bowl party, and on the previous edition of the John Kuhn mm-hmm. podcast, six U's if you're searching it on iTunes, yep. um, we talked about how you don't like Super Bowl parties, and yet you went to one. Oh, you're okay. Now, now it's, it's coming, all it's, coming, it's coming back coming to you back. now. You mean the party I went to this year? I thought you were talking about the Super Bowl parties after the Super Bowl when your team That's plays. Funny because we had said we we're going to talk about it the following, yeah, and we okay, never did see, yesterday. So maybe yesterday wasn't the greatest podcast ever. <laughs> okay, so which one do you want to talk about? You want to talk Let's about start the parties? With the that... party you went to to watch the game on last Sunday? Yeah, first. yeah. So went and. You know, and I talked about I don't normally like parties. I haven't really gone to a lot of Super Bowl parties because I want to watch the game. I want to focus on the game. But I went to one. I went to one. A buddy had one. Who's your buddy? Uh, his name is Matt Lutz. He's, he, he's a really good cook. He's a, real, he's a really good nice. cook. Nice. Okay. In fact, he's uh, he was in culinary school for a while, and he was a, a chef out in San Francisco and New Orleans and, and some other big places. So and now he lives in Green Bay. So he's well-rounded. Yeah, he's... Uh, he runs Wasita Farms, and he, he Ooh, yeah, so, yeah, so he's, yeah. but this is the Matt Lutze podcast. Well, so. maybe someday he could be part of it. <laughs> maybe he'll be a, a guest sometime, but he's a great cook, and, and he's a good time, and he's got good beverages, so we went over there. It was six adults, six kids, bounce house in the garage. Um, this we sounds did, familiar. We did, we did talk about this yesterday. We didn't have a, the Jason Wildy desired amount of adult supervision for the bounce house in the garage, yeah, yeah. but we had a bounce house in the garage. It's a heated garage. Okay. Nice and clean garage. So there was no rotation of the six adults each taking a turn. To I can supervise. honestly say the only time I walked out to the garage was, was to, to grab get a, a beer. beer. Yeah, that's the <laughs> only times I walked out. I, and I can, and I'm a guy who puts two or three in the pocket so I don't have to Ooh, come out savvy. as often. <laughs> I well, when they're this big in your hand, you well, can't. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> exactly. I should take a picture of that. So, so, I would have spent the entire Super Bowl party, as long as the kids were in the bounce house, I would have been out in the garage. That's just how my helicopter how did you parent... gr- How did you grow up? Did you grow- Your parents must have hovered. No, you- they didn't. Also, so now I'm you're like the so- antithesis So of you're going to be the hoverer because you totally. felt like your parents just, it was fight or flight, Jason. Get out the nest, and if you fall, yeah. you fall. Go to the park. If you get abducted, hey, that's on you. That was basically the mentality. That's the way I grew up, too. My dad would whistle, and he had this ability to whistle from very loudly with the, you know, with, yeah. when you put your hand in your mouth. I can't yeah. do it. I can, yeah, I can. Can you do it? Yeah. 
Um, we wouldn't subject our no, podcast gonna, listeners to that. It, it, it's funny. So he so he used to do that from, from the porch. From like yeah, from, from like six blocks away. And the great thing about it, he and was then, very good. I could you him. come running? Oh like, yeah, you can. Oh, you don't let you don't wait. <laughs> don't make Mister Wildy wait. Yeah. <laughs> Is your dad? What's your dad look like? Is he a big man? Does he hold coke cans like this? No, he was a s- smaller he, fellow. But he like demanded me. respect. Respect though, huh? He's, he, he got. I could see by your face right there <laughs> when you heard that whistle, and you could tell which whistle was his. Oh yeah. Versus the other parents, you came running. Yeah, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to get into the psychology <laughs> that's involved. Here. Well, I'm trying to figure out why you're a hovering parent now, and I know your girls. Your girls are good. Excuse me. Your girls are really good girls. They're well behaved. They're very respectful. So I don't see the point in hovering. Um, I think especially it's, yeah. in a bounce house. They're in, they're gymnasts for goodness. That's sakes. true. You know those 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 you can bounce out right out of the opening there. You know even if the zipper's not all the way up, and then they land on the concrete floor and they're <laughs> didn't injured. We, didn't terrible. we talk about they have your wife's athletic skills, they not do. yours? So what are you hovering for? Maybe it's because I'm worried that they have some measure of me in them. Like whenever they get out of the truck, I like take their hand like Cinderella getting out of the pumpkin carriage and say, watch out, there's a piece of ice here. That's just me. That's who I am. But nevertheless, this is about your Super Bowl party where, from what I recall, you basically staked your seat out. Oh, yeah, and so six adults, about eight seats. I wasn't playing around. I know that leaves about three open once the other five sit down, but I, I wanted mine. I didn't want to take any chances. Walked right up. Sat my drink down, put my jacket down. This was in pregame, you know. When when you, know, you so got Jimmy Johnson, like you got you got Jimmy Johnson, you got Michael Strahan, and them. They're all still talking and doing their thing. I'm getting my seat. I'm going to make sure I have my seat designated for kickoff because I was in my seat for kickoff. And, and I will say something else about Matt Lutze since this is kind of uh, a little bit about his party. He stopped cooking during the national anthem. Took his chef hat off and put his hand over his heart. Wow. I was He's an American hero. Yeah, and I well listen, I love that because I started thinking to myself, man, I should probably stand up right now. You know, I have you ever done that? No. I mean in now, my home when, when, in your home. Because when you're no. at the stadium, you stand up and you put your hand over your heart, maybe you definitely take your hat off. Yes. But when you're at the event, you do it. So why, when we watch it on television, do we not think to do this? Like, this is the first time I saw this, and it, I, I was amazed by it, one. And two, I was guilted into standing up myself. Yeah, I don't think that the rules apply to you when you're in your living room, necessarily. Um, but... God bless you and and Matt for doing it. Um, I, I I just I was really guilty into it. <laughs> I would have never done. So it. so the next time so you're going to watch a sporting event on television at some point in the next couple weeks if they're playing the national anthem. Are you going to start standing up in your living room? Well, I'm going to look around and see if anybody else does. And if they don't, I I might you're so easily <laughs> might swayed. Back. So before we talk about the game. You staked your claim. Were you able to watch the game in its entirety? Yes. Yes, I was in that seat the entire ball game from kickoff to trophy given to Andy Reid, and he gave the good, how about them cheese? I didn't know that was a thing. Like, that is I, a thing, yeah. so, so, I mean, They I, do it I, at the end of the I, national I, anthem? I know they, no, I, I knew the Chiefs thing was a national anthem. I didn't know how about them cheese. I always thought it was how about them cowboys. Yeah, it's that, too. Yeah, so, okay, well, now it's two. What's the Saints one that you you did while you were a Saint? Who dat? Who dat? Yeah. Not 
not uh, who day, which is the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals. Right. Um, all right. So what did you think as you watched the San Francisco 49ers who um, kicked the daylights out of the Green Bay Packers in the NFC Championship game and got out to a 20 to 10 lead on the Chiefs? I was um, I was in Madison. We were going to see uh, our buddy Matt Carney play on Monday night at the Barrymore. So we were in town. We got to town on Sunday night. And I went to take the dogs out when it was 20 to 10. And after they took care of their business and I returned to the room, it was 24-20. And I was so like, what the see, hell did but, I miss? But did you see how it got to 21 to 10? Uh, the, yes. I watched from... from no, you didn't. Well, I saw some of it. <laughs> no, you didn't. Did you even watch the Super Bowl? What did you watch from the Super Bowl? Let's see. So we went out to eat first. Uh, we had dinner at the Cheesecake Factory. No, nobody wants to know what you... But they wanted you to hear about it yesterday. <laughs> what I did you... tell you, the miso salmon is great, and John Kuhn only gets the same thing every time there because he's overwhelmed by the, by the menu. Um, that was yesterday. You'll yeah. never hear that story. Um, so we went to dinner... The TVs at the bar of the Cheesecake Factory at West Town Mall in Madison were on. So you watched so it I from afar see, yes. in the first half. Okay. And then the girls, uh, we finished eating, and then the halftime show came on, and there were a bunch of waitresses, servers. Did they stop and that watch? That stopped. It? They turned on the sound. Yes. They all wanted to watch it. Did they start dancing, too? Uh, there was no sort of uh, well, Shakira-style okay, dancing. Well, if, since you were in public, were people just... Shuddering. Yeah, were they just shuddering and, no. and, and cowering from the television? It was definitely not busy at because the, the way people reacted to this halftime show was rather extreme. I thought I saw a lot of people who had a big problem with the halftime show. Yeah, um, did you have a problem with the halftime? Actually, show? I didn't. Wow, I know that surprises you because wow. I'm quite the fuddy duddy. I thought for sure. Well, when you're a hovering parent who Fair. who walks around with pillows and. and Water bottles for your kids. I would have giant oven mitts I, I that are padded to catch I them if they fall. For sure, you would have cowered and and at least covered their eyes during the halftime so, show. So here's the thing. But I'm so, glad to hear you didn't. So Maddie just turned ten, and Sydney's going to turn nine next month. I, whether my helicopter parent style has also sheltered them from some of the, um, you know, more PG thirteen aspects of our society or what I don't know, but they didn't really. For lack of a better term, it wasn't the the butt shaking and the pole that may or may not have been compared to a stripper pole when we did this yesterday. Um, it it it's not sexualized in their minds, right? So they're just they're just seeing two very talented women in J Lo and Shakira dancing, and they love dancing, and they love shimmery costumes and lots of other people dancing. So for them, it was just butt shaking dancing. Like there was no like unsavory view to it. I think for those of us that are adults watched it and saw some things that maybe a more um, G-rated crowd wouldn't think of because they're not familiar with it. Is that fair? Yeah, I guess that's fair. I just... Why do we... You just really dissected that and went so deep into the psychology well, you of your parenting, your kids, and whether that's G Let me or tell G you more about my parents Listen, and how we, I was treated as a we, child. We are talking about Latin music in Miami, mm -hmm. at the Super Bowl in Miami. Yeah. One of the dancers or performers is Jennifer Lopez, who's part owner of the Miami Dolphins. Are we, I, I just don't understand. 
And we should and, not have been surprised. And all of this, all of this dancing and all of this music and everything is perfectly fine in our society on a normal day. But for Super Bowl halftime, we got a problem. I, I just, why can't it mix? Like we take the Super Bowl, the, the Super Bowl was at Miami all week. If you walk down the streets of Miami because you're at the Super Bowl, you are seeing that halftime show all day, every single day in at South Clevelander. Yeah, yeah every single day. So that's Miami. They are imposing their culture on the halftime show. And I thought it was fantastic. My wife enjoyed it, which made me enjoy it a little bit more. And I just can't help but think, in a game that has the some of the best athletes in the world, you have 50-year-old J-Lo doing what she's doing on stage and 43-year-old Shakira doing what she's doing on stage. They were pretty darn athletic themselves. Yeah, and, and for women that uh, have had lengthy careers already, I thought they were great. I really did. Fantastic. I'm um, glad we agreed on that because I was nervous coming So did you this. think the game was great? Or was I, I, it? I, it, fit, it fit the bill for me. You know, it wasn't the best. Much, much like the halftime show. Yeah, it wasn't. It, it wasn't the best Super Bowl I've ever seen. But it was. It wasn't the worst Super Bowl ever. Well, that sounded bad. It was a good Super Bowl. Okay. To me, it was a good Super Bowl to watch. Um, it was entertaining, and I don't think even with the struggles that Patrick Mahomes had in the first half. I wouldn't yeah, say he struggled. Yeah, but I wouldn't say he played bad. He was just off on some throws. He was high. He was behind. He was low. Um, but you saw, you still saw his athletic ability, getting out of the pocket, doing some things. And it was just San Francisco was playing great defense and taking advantage of his small misses that we were not accustomed to seeing Patrick Mahomes miss. And then you get to the fourth quarter, and it was. They just switched. They just went. I mean, which they had done throughout the postseason. Patrick Mahomes just turned it on. San Francisco. The, the surprise to me was how San Francisco seemed to have turned it off. Their defense seemed to be a step slow, a step behind, not really knowing or or anticipating Kansas City and what they were doing for. For three quarters, they held him to 10 points and 112 yards passing right. by Mahomes, and then he exploded for 180 in the fourth quarter, 21 unanswered points. And then, to, to make matters worse, I really thought Kyle Shanahan had learned from the first time around in the Super Bowl, run the football. Run the football, man. Jimmy Garoppolo is playing well. He's outplaying Patrick Mahomes through three quarters because you are running the football. You're dedicated to running the football. And then in the second half, you, you, or the fourth quarter, you abandon the run. Jimmy Garoppolo throws for uh, a rating of two. And I think he's two it's for nine. It, it was, it, it was just abysmal. And it was, it was almost, it was almost like a car wreck. You, you hate to see it, but you can't turn away from it because it's, it's like, what? Is this happening? So let me ask you this, because I made this comment earlier in the week, and I was probably having a hot take moment, which I don't have many of. As you well know, I'm not the most opinionated guy, you know. Um, and now you know that I'm a terrible hel helicopter parent as well. But I argued that I think that Kyle Shanahan, based on his X's and O's and his innovation as a coach, is the second best coach in the league behind Belichick. And he... Put it on Belichick and his guys for the first half of a Super Bowl as the offensive coordinator of the Atlanta Falcons, twenty-eight to three. But you're you're referring to he should have. You thought he learned his lesson. That's what the lesson was. Was he? Well, here's the deal. So he did a first half against Belichick, 
who is everybody thinks he's the best coach in the league. He did a half against Belichick in the Super Bowl. Andy Reid, who is right there with Shanahan, is maybe the second yep. best in the league. He did three quarters. Through three quarters with Andy Reid, he put together a tremendous game plan and had a 21 to 10 point lead against a tremendous offense on the other side. Yeah. So, I mean, he's getting closer. He's getting closer to coaching that full game. But my question is about being aggressive because you played for Mike McCarthy. He is a friend of yours. You obviously would like to see him have success in Dallas. Uh, not at the Packers' expense, but you know you care about him. He's your friend, uh, and you enjoyed playing for him. He was often criticized for being um, too conservative in a lot of crucial situations. That will not be a criticism that is levied at Kyle Shanahan. And there seems to be this mentality of, well, aggressive is better, and you can use all these analytics to show that it's better and whatever else. Well, Kyle Shanahan is living proof that you can have a lead in a Super Bowl, and if you're not smart about when you're aggressive and then the execution fails you when you choose to be aggressive, suddenly now you're an idiot, right? Because you look at that Super Bowl that they lost to New England. You know, they had a third and one. Instead of running it, he calls a pass. Matt Ryan is sacked, fumbles, huge game-changing yep. play. Later in that same game, they have another third down. And the one thing that Matt Ryan can't do is take a sack and take him out of field goal range. He takes like a 12-yard sack. They can't kick a field goal. They go to overtime. They lose. So his aggression hurt him there. You're pointing out exactly right that his aggression hurt him in this game. But is that if he goes conservative and Mahomes does the same things, are we crushing That's him for being conservative? That's assuming they're getting stopped while he's being conservative. How do you know they're going to stop him? Yeah, the well, way they ran the ball against the Packers, they I might mean, not. I felt like watching that game, San Francisco, you know, their big runs were coming on reverses, a couple outside toss plays, maybe a zone play, maybe maybe an outside uh, pattern scheme run. That's where their big runs were coming from. But they were winning the, 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 the attrition battle. They were getting two, three, you know, one, four, one, five, you know. And I just felt like it's the fourth quarter. It's about time one of these runs pops and, and breaks the game open. And yet they didn't give themselves the chance to pop it. Because right. they they decommitted from the run at the most important time of the game. You always say a great run game. You can see it because in the fourth quarter, two yards turn into four, and four turn into eight, and, and we just didn't have a chance to see it. And this is a team that was playing with the lead for the majority of the fourth quarter. So it was a great finish for the Chiefs. They obviously come back to win. Um, it's interesting because I had had a conversation with Mike Shanahan uh, when I was working on a story toward the end of the season before the NFC Championship game where he talked about how losses in the playoffs stick with you as a coach and certainly as a player. You've experienced a bunch of them yourself. Um, are there lessons to be learned when we talk about losses? Is there a lesson for Kyle Shanahan to learn here? But also, more importantly, and more importantly for the people that love the John Kuhn podcast, what are the lessons that the Packers can look back on the NFC Championship game and apply going forward? Well, I, I think for the Packers, well, that's there's a whole can of worms you just opened there. I think for San Francisco, it's it's very important to note, they went back and watched the film. When they did their exit interviews this week, uh, they were talking to the media saying they had all watched the film numerous times, and that's the way that they were flushing it. They were flushing it by seeing what they could do better. They were treating it like a normal game, really, which I thought was amazing because when I played, I, I, 
I never watched the playoff games that we lost. Never. So you never watched in a film setting when the season the, the Seattle loss the season ending game never never not one and in fact that Seattle game I'll tell you right now I've only there was times I needed to jog my memory for things so I would go back and watch just clips of that game I've still never watched that game all the way through offensively or defensively really or yeah I've watched clips I've watched pieces because I wanted to know exactly how certain plays went down how certain things went down but I never watched the entire game I never any game that ended our season I've never watched and a lot of people would say well how do you learn from those mistakes well I've had enough mistakes along the way. I've learned enough lessons here. I, I, I don't need to, you know, torture myself with that game-ending loss. So if I wanted to torture you, which I don't because you're my friend, but which playoff game is it Seattle? Like if I locked well, you in the room. It's obviously Seattle, but I've lost in overtime in the playoffs four times. Right. You know, you got Seattle, you got 15 in Arizona, you got nine in Arizona, you got seven Against New York. Yeah. I think that's it, right? Well, I don't know what you did in New Orleans. Well, we had the uh, Minnesota miracle in New Orleans, so that wasn't overtime, but that was just as bad. So, we, <laughs> I mean, do you one. want me to watch these games, Jason? What in I the do. world? I you're torturing me by bringing it up. You know, instead of talking about the psychology of my parents, we could talk about the psychology of putting you in a room with your most disheartening but games. I, but here's the deal. I, did, I, I was on two teams, and, and the best part about the two teams I was on that have won the Super Bowl is they were both... Both the six seed, you know. There's Crazy. two. There's there's two wild. There's three wild card teams. Two six team, six seeds in history to win the Super Bowl, and I was on those two teams because those rides. I would I, I would argue. Now I never did the other ride, but I tried to. Those rides I would argue are more fun than being the one or the two seed because you got to go into other people's houses every week in the playoffs and win a game you're supposed to lose, right. including the Super Bowl, and it. it I, I can fall back on those memories to to make my career feel fulfilled, even if I have those agonizing defeats. So if if that's how they chose to flush it was to use the film and, and break it down. I mean, that is I don't think it's just you that hasn't watched season ending games because there's no immediacy of watching the film mm -hmm. to prepare for next week. Whereas every other game you play, there is. Right. And so um, that is also, though. Like, it's such a strange phenomenon because... I think San Francisco's going to be... I think it's going to be tough for them to repeat their performance this year. Why? Why do you say that? Because they had, as we've talked before, that perfect scenario of they have their quarterback, whether he's great or just good, they have their quarterback in place, and because of some injuries the last few seasons, they, they have been able to pick at the top end of every round for years in a row. So they have their team stacked. Yeah, that's pretty with, nice. They have their team stacked with high draft capital that this year with Eric Armstead and Jimmy Ward, these guys are going to start. They can't keep them all. Right. They cannot right. keep them. So this team is going to start to feel the growing pains that a team that it went to eight straight playoff appearances like the Packers have had. And that's why there's parity in this league, because you have to recycle and you have to build for years down the line. And that is so hard to do when you're not drafting at the top of every draft and at the top of every round. So is it good to have a 4-12 and season for one year? I mean, they got a Bosa. They got Debo Samuel at the top of the second round. Now, look, they they deserve credit, right? So they built a team that, you know, uh, 
Fred Warner was a third round pick. Um, George Kittle was a fifth round. Kittle pick. was a fifth round pick. So th- they deserve Who, credit for that. Uh, Greenlaw was a fifth round pick. Right. I mean, they picked some guys. They've but, done a good job drafting. You know, you picking whatever they were fourth or whatever when they took Bosa in the first round, and then Debo Samuel is going to be he's a he's, he's a stud an already. Stud. I can remember when we went out there and saw him in a regular season game, and. You saw a little bit of flashes on film, but everybody said about San Francisco, oh, they're 9-0 and and blah, 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 but they didn't play anybody. And then I saw Debo in that game. He made the slant catch on Tremont, took it to the house. I said, well, this kid's got something. Yeah. And he continued that run all the way through the Super Bowl. He is a ball player, and they got him for three more years on the rookie contract. That's what I mean. But some of their guys that they've had on rookie contracts are starting are, right. are starting to come up now. That's what's going to make it difficult for San Francisco to repeat. That and the fact that when you win your division the year before, now you got to play all the teams that won their divisions also. Right. And when you go to the Super Bowl, the the number of rings on the bullseye on your back is is much bigger than the rings on all the other opponents. Um, not to bring up painful losses again, because I'm not... What are you doing trying... today? Well, Listen, he... Greg deletes our, our podcast. I'm just bitter. He deletes our podcast. Now you come in here and you, you try and bat me attitude. down even yeah. further. Well, the re- I just wanted to draw the parallel because you made, this, you made the comment about the 49ers. You guys, that's why I think 11 is so hard to take. Yeah. Because you guys did something that most Super Bowl... Defending champions aren't able to do other than the Patriots, and that is put together another really good season the following year and be in position to repeat. We don't see that, and the Chiefs are going to face this too. At some point, they're going to have to pay, you know, Patrick Mahomes the gross national product of, you know, (laughs) about twenty-five countries combined. What is he going to get? Is he going to get? He's going to get two hundred million for five years. He might get three hundred million. For seven years, I could see, yeah, I could see seven years, three hundred million. He's twenty-four years old. That'd take him through thirty-one. He could get that. So you, I'm glad you bring him up because you played. You with, brought him up. Well, I'm glad I brought him up. Then. <laughs> um, you played with with Aaron Rodgers for a large majority of your career. You played with Favre for a portion mm-hmm. of your career. You played with Ben Roethlisberger, but Rodgers was 27 when you guys won the Super Bowl in 10. Uh, Mahomes is 24. Third year as a starter, third year as a starter in both cases. Um, but we see Patrick Mahomes do some things, and you're right, he did not play well for a lot of that game. But we see him do some things where I think you were at Rodgers' locker the day before uh, the week of the Chiefs game where we were talking about quarterbacks that he is reminded of himself, and he said Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Do you see similarities? And, again, as a young player who can do special things, does Mahomes jump off the page the way well, your buddy did? You know, I, I think it's funny that you asked that and that Aaron said that because if you ask Patrick Mahomes, he says, he claims that he models his game after Aaron Rodgers. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and... He said just some of the things that he saw him do, the way that he manipulates defenses with his eyes, the way that he doesn't necessarily listen to the exact techniques that a quarterback is supposed to use. He'll throw his arm at different angles. No look. No look passes. You've seen Mahomes do all of it. Aaron threw a left-handed pass this year. Mahomes threw a left-handed pass this year. I can't remember which one did it first. It'd be great to find out who it was because if it was Aaron first, that would be something. You know, imitation is the greatest form of flattery. And I 
do see a lot of similarities. When Aaron gets out of the pocket, he's getting out of the pocket to make the big throw. He will run, and he's made some tremendous plays with his legs, especially in his early years. Um, Patrick Mahomes gets out of the pocket to throw but can make plays with his legs like we saw in the Tennessee playoff game. So I do see a lot of similarities. I see a lot of similarities with the way their performance and and just their teammates knowing that they are the leaders and they are the men getting the ball in their hands, at least at the start of every play. They feel like they always have a chance. Being down 24 nothing, they felt like they always had a chance. Being down, you know, by 14 against the Titans, they felt like they had a chance. Being down by, um, what was it, 11 in the Super Bowl, they felt right. like they had a chance. And that's something you only feel with that special guy as the QB. And if you don't feel it and you're not sure if your quarterback is special or not, then he probably isn't, right? Yeah. Then, then Listen, just put the smell test on this thing. If if you if you start sniffing around, if you see these guys and 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 they don't have the confidence or they're worried about coming back and they they, oh man, it's seven, it's ten points now in the fourth quarter. That's going to be tough. Then they then they probably don't have the comp, the same kind of confidence that these other guys with these other quarterbacks say, hey, we can come back, we can score in two minutes, we got this. Right. Let's go out there and run hurry up right now and just see where that leads. So, um, Patrick Mahomes took after or mimicked Aaron Rodgers. Um, did like Aaron Ripkowski or uh, Danny Vitale ever say to you, you know, I've seen some old tape of you. I mean, you played – Aaron Ripkowski was on the roster with you for yeah. at least a year, right? Yeah. Maybe You more. know, you're crazy. Nine years here in Green Bay, and I think I only was on the roster two of those nine years as the only fullback. Is that right? That is wild, isn't it? Well, I spent four years with Corey Hall, another year with Aaron Ripkowski, a couple years with Quinn Johnson. Quinn, that's who I was thinking of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, we we carried three fullbacks on the roster when we year. won the Super Bowl. Yeah, I remember that. Isn't yes, that, that was crazy. Great. Um, making fullbacks great again. Yeah, we did. Um, there was a year where you guys had like five tight ends, too, mm-hmm. that Ted and Mike kept and... Tom Crabtree was part of that group. So do do you see guy do you see guys? I mean, you're in the locker room you're working for the Packers website. You talk to Danny Vitale. Like yeah. you know, his season I don't think went the way he hoped. He had the knee injury mm-hmm. and, and what have you. But you know, when we watched him in training camp, you and I talked about this on the sideline, we thought he was gonna have a major role in the offense based on what we saw in the summertime. Yeah, and you asked, do I think these guys modeled their game after me? I don't I, Danny shouldn't. He's got a different set of skills than I do, and he's Ripkowski did. He's told me he did. Yeah, me and Ripkowski had similar skills. Um, Limited. That's, that's no, <laughs> fullback skills. Very, very specific set of skills, <laughs> as Liam Neeson would say. Um, but but Danny Danny's a little different. I, I'd be surprised if he said he mimicked his game after me. You know, he's he's faster than I was. Um, he's a little bit more nimble than I was. He's more of an open field route running type guy than what I than I was. Um, so so I feel like he, he would be crazy to try and try and mimic his game after me. My my game was try and get to the guys on their side of the line of scrimmage and uh, in the blocking game and in the pass game and in the run game. If I was getting to carry the ball, it was how do I find a way to get from point A to point B? You know, sometimes it's not exactly how I was coached to do. If it <laughs> take 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 four steps right. on your read steps and set it up. Sometimes it's like, well, no, it's third and one. I got to get a yard, even if it's going back here where I'm not supposed to go. So. 
Danny would be crazy to, to mimic his game like me. He's got he's got a different set of skills, a really good set of skills, especially in the receiving game. We saw that this year, the the few times that they used him, especially in deep targets. And but that that's great. That's great to hear that Aaron modeled his game after me. Me and Aaron were friends. D- Danny is one of those players from this season that I look at and I'm wondering what year two in the system will look like for him Mm -hmm. if he stays healthy. I mean, the other guy that I think of right away uh, is Robert Tanyan, who had the great catch in Dallas and suffered the hip injury and then missed, I don't know, six weeks Mm -hmm. or more because of that. Jay Sternberger came on late after missing most of the season being on IR. I mean, there's some interesting young guys that we're going to be looking at during the offseason. Yeah, there really is. You know, when you you look at Danny... the way they used him early in the season, they used him more as that receiver that I mm-hmm. talked about. They used him more in the seal blocks on the backside where he's cutting a lot. When you do that a lot, you you can lose a little bit of your art form, you know, at the point of attack yeah, when you do have true. to do that. So um, I think if he can get in and and get uh, you know more focused on that coming into this season and the coaches can kind of emphasize that a little bit more this season you know his his year or two will take off because the few things when he was healthy that they asked him to do he did do uh really well especially in the in the receiving game jay sternberger nobody saw anything out of him all year the guy got hurt in the preseason right the guy got um then hurt when he came back in the preseason so in the last preseason so game. Yep. so the guy his time as a rookie as a third-round draft pick, his time to shine is literally his rookie preseason, and he had the whole thing stripped from him. He didn't right. have a chance, and he didn't come back off of the uh, IR designated to return until week 10. And then by then, he's he's doing his first weeks, literally his first weeks in the NFL practice, while these other guys have been doing this for three months. Right. Um, he, he was at a disadvantage because of that. Uh, now, what I saw in him at the end of the season was I saw a guy – grow a lot in the last six seven eight weeks of the season to the point where you see him make his first catch in a playoff game then you see him make his first touchdown catch in the nfc championship game i think this guy has potential i think he has the chance to make the biggest jump from year one to year two out of all of these rookies so um I was watching your buddy Aaron Rodgers. He was in like a par three event at Pebble Beach. He's playing in the Pro-Am. We love when he golfs, don't we? I guess. What I do you mean, mean you guess? You're bringing it up on the podcast. Well, I saw you tweet the only, about it. The only reason I bring it up is is this. What are guys doing now? You know, you played for over a decade, and you were in this mode, right? Mm-hmm. Even after you won the Super Bowl, you were in off-season mode. Um, they won't be back here until April. Mm-hmm. But some guys live around town. You obviously did for a good chunk of your time here. What does an NFL player's, you know, February 7th or whatever day you're listening to, to the podcast might be, what does that day look like now? Well, I've seen a lot now. I, 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 I pay attention more to the players now than when I was playing. I was so focused on me. So I can tell you what I did. But first, let me tell you a couple things that I've seen some other guys doing. We know Aaron's out at the Pebble Beach Pro Am right now out there golfing away getting his mind staying in competitive mode but Mm -hmm. getting away from football which i think is important you got to get away from football some um brian balaga i saw this week got back to his normal off-season grind where he'll be in the gym five days a week in florida in florida in the gym five days a week working with his trainer um lifting weights doing some running getting treatment acupuncture all that happy stuff he'll be doing that so uh so that's cool i saw 
Um, what the heck is Tony Jefferson said that um, <clears throat> the great defensive back for Baltimore Ravens the day after the Pro Bowl because he was at the Pro Bowl the day after the Pro Bowl said all right 14 day fasting starts now so he's going to cleanse his body uh, by by doing a fast. Wait, he doesn't go 14 days without eating. I, I mean, I, I assumed it was all juices and, and water. Boy, I, I'm not a doctor, but that doesn't sound like that's a great idea. <laughs> I'm t- I'm t- listen, everybody has their thing. Everybody has their thing. <laughs> I'm not going 14 days without eating. <laughs> well, I mean, did you try? I probably could. Maybe you should. <laughs> See, this is better than the first version of this. Um, so speaking of doing something or not doing something, um, is this it? Is this? Uh, we thought the farewell could have been yesterday. Now we're re-recording. Are we going to keep doing this podcast for as long as you want, or what's the deal? What have I, you decided? I feel like you just proposed to me in some way. I don't know. Will you be my Will one. you be my podcast partner? Well, let's let's see what happens. Maybe we'll come back next week and keep this thing rolling. Okay. Yeah. And and maybe it'll maybe we'll save it. Maybe we won't. No, nah, we'll be back next week. All right. So uh, last thing before, because you're also you're you're doing a lot of talking today. Thank you. Because today is also a day that you're filling in as our cousin sub for Homer, so it's going to be the Coon and Gabe show. Um, but you didn't you didn't really say what your off season regimen was because well, I, I, I jumped I on you to, for yeah. the fourteen day starvation yeah. diet, uh, which I bet you didn't do either. No, I took I so no matter when the season ended, I would take two weeks off, nothing, two weeks, nothing, unless I had a terrible injury, in which case I'd come in and rehab. But I'd take two weeks, nothing, just family, just going to restaurants. So you're not like laying on the couch eating Doritos. No, 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 no. I I mean, I'm just nothing with football, not 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 watching film, not. Are you uh, going to the gym? No. Two okay. weeks, nothing. All I, would, right. I would always do two weeks of nothing. And then, like clockwork, the first Monday after two weeks, I'm back in the gym, and I'm, and I'm starting my off-season program and, and going to ramp back up. Because normally, when we went to the playoffs, and we did in 10 out of the 13 years that I played, normally the season's ending sometime in January to beginning of February. Right. So two weeks from then put you to the beginning of February to the middle of February, and you really only have about six weeks from then until you come back. Right before the CBA change, yeah. you were coming back in mid-March. Yep. So, okay. So that's when, and I'd start, and I'd start that, you know, the two weeks there was no dietary restrictions, no, I mean, it was, it was. So you're going to the Cheesecake Factory, was, you're getting the cheesecake. It, it was a free for <laughs> all, I'm telling you. It was, it was fun. It was fun. And then I would, and then I'd get into my normal off season. Which was start ramping up, you know, and, 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 and working out and taking, taking, still taking vacations, still taking trips. But if I didn't take a vacation or a trip in those first two weeks, I'm working out on vacation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. That's well, the same. I'll, I'll be working out between now and the next edition of the John Coon podcast. That is episode 18. It is in the books. I know For Ashton a second time. Rothenberg will make sure that that occurs. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. It's the John Coon Podcast.